number one reason that people leave the field is because they don't have adequate education for their children. So I get to provide quality education in the capital of Ethiopia, which is a very, very important part of ministry. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable Podcast, brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Richard Oski. And I'm Emily Wilson. Before we dive into today's episode, we just want to take a second to say thank you to Andrew Olson. Andrew Olson has been the producer and editor of the Essentially Translatable Podcast since day one, and has done it masterfully. Those of you who listen have no idea what he wades through, <laughs> all the stuff he deals with and cuts out. It was enough to make a whole episode one time. It's but true. Andrew served with Lutheran Bible Translators about a year ago. He left to start a partner organization, but continued because he loved this podcast so much to edit it, volunteering his time to do that. And uh, the Lord's blessed that ministry he started. And the time has come for him to be able to pivot to that and give it its full-time attention. So... He will be leaving the, the show as editor and producer, and we just really want to say thanks, Andrew, for all you've done for us, for having the vision for the podcast and the love for it, and how you expressed that to us and, and worked with us and supported us so much over these years. It's true. All of the edits that, Andrew, you have made time <laughs> to be able to glean through. We thank our listeners that you have been faithful. <laughs> Andrew made you more faithful (laughs) for all of the things that he was able to edit out. And we're just very thankful for the opportunity to partner together this last year in a volunteer capacity and just God's blessings for They Need the Bible. Want to encourage our listeners to check out that episode also to learn more about Andrew's ministry. So, On to our episode content for this week. We are interviewing Deanna Gokenauer. So she is a missionary kid teacher at Bingham Academy in Ethiopia. And she has been there over a year now and now teaching in a different capacity than from what she started. But it's just been amazing to hear her experiences. She was voted the most well-loved teacher last year, I believe. That's correct, yeah. And uh, her class also was the highest performing academically in the whole school she taught in, too. So really, she's done a great job. So we hope you enjoy this interview with Deanna Gokenauer. So today we're in the studio with Dee Gokenauer during Concordia Mission Institute week here on the campus of St. Paul Lutheran High School. Welcome to the podcast, Dee. Hi. (laughs) So whenever we start a podcast, we always want to introduce our missionaries and our audience listeners to each other. Can you share a little bit about your background, where you came from, but also what it is that inspired you to pursue missionary service? Yes. So I grew up in small town, Wisconsin, born and raised, but then I went to Concordia University in Irvine. Quite Um, a difference there, climate-wise. A little bit, but that's what I wanted. That just sounds like wisdom. (laughs) Yeah. So so I majored in elementary education at Irvine. I have a Lutheran teaching background that I got from Irvine, and then I shoved some mission classes in there as well. But I knew sometime in high school that I wanted to pursue career missions, and I went to a Lutheran elementary school from pre-K through eight. 
So it was instilled very young, like the Great Commission and that you should live your life for someone else and that whatever you're doing, you should really pursue God in it. So in high school, I did a lot of courses that I was like, oh, I could really see myself doing this. However, like missions would have to be a background and I didn't want that. So mm. I knew going out to Irvine that long-term missions was like the goal and that teaching was the best way to get there. Wow. So like from a young age, you were like, this is instilled in me. I have a heart of passion for being able to reach people with the gospel and that it was a determining factor, not just the weather. (laughs) (laughs) It was a determining factor for where you went to school. That's awesome. So you're in Ethiopia now, but you started out in a short-term capacity with Ghana. Can you share a little bit about the lead up? Like maybe even include (laughs) a little bit of Lutheran Bible translators. Why? But the lead up to Ghana, how did you end up there? So I knew of LBT from all the Beautiful Feet conferences through the Concordia system, which is a traveling mission conference. And like I saw both of you speak at the one in Texas, actually. (laughs) And so I knew like what you guys did and that I could be a missionary teacher through LBT. Mm in some capacity. And then somebody sent me my senior year. I was just, I graduated in August. So it was sometime in July. They sent me this nanny position for a year. And they were like, you know, why don't you just apply, see what happens? And I was like, um, okay, I guess we'll just see how far I get in this process. I don't really know if that's what I want to do or where I'm at. I thought it'd just be a little gap year situation, but then I didn't end up backing out. So I was like, oh, I'm going. Okay. (laughs) Like time to start (laughs) fundraising. But it ended up that I didn't go to Tanzania and the family was relocated. So at that point, it became, what do I do? Where do I serve? And so they brought up the idea of Ethiopia, but then they did Ghana at the same time. So Mm -hmm. Paul and Ali Federwitz, their family was moving to Ethiopia. And so they said, you know, we need somebody to homeschool the younger two or the two middle schoolers at the time. And that, you know, we need some help closing out our house and just really like help transitioning in this situation. They were there for 15 years. So they had you know, just a lot of stuff to like go through and the mental process of having to leave like their house for a very long time. So I went to Ghana and taught eighth grade and sixth grade. But So that was that your first time going somewhere outside the United States then? Yeah. Or? Okay. What kind of other stuff had you done? I've been in orphanages in Mexico a few times, short term trips to Haiti in high school. But in college, I went with Dr. Flugi to West Africa, to Burkina Faso, and to northern Togo. So Mm. I got to learn a lot about the mission field and just, you know, what a presence looks like there without like church planting and building random buildings, you know, painting and stuff. It was a lot of career based long term. So what did challenge you when you got to Ghana? You know, you'd already had the experience, but what was like, wow, this is still challenging? I mean, teaching. So I haven't taught anywhere. And that was kind of my first teaching experience, I guess, outside of education and such. So that was challenging, especially because I'm an elementary teacher. So in California, I'm fifth and lower, but I was teaching sixth and eighth. Right. Okay. Yeah, so it was hard to, you know, kind of teach myself as I was teaching them where Levi would ask, oh, how do I do this math or this, you know, science problem? And I was like, did you look in the book? Because I don't know either. I have to teach myself. That's awesome. So a lot of learning on the job Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And you were in a city setting, which was a little bit of a pivot because I think when you were originally like thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to be cured up for Tanzania. It was a little more remote. But you did have experience in some of those more remote areas, like visiting Michael and Naomi Ursland Mm -hmm. and being able to see the programs happening out in Ghana. 
But you did make that shift. You came back to the U.S. just a short little bit, and then you made the shift to Ethiopia. So there's something that as you were preparing with Ethiopia that you learned in Ghana, what was like one of the takeaways that you're like, this helped me so that when I finally made that move to Ethiopia, I felt more prepared, even though the contexts are totally different. What is it that maybe changed in you? I learned how to be alone, if that makes any sense. It's Mm -hmm. such a weird statement. But I kind of learned like what hobbies to invest in and how to figure out what would help my mental health being in a different place and like what activities do I even like and like you can't do certain things that I grew up with in Wisconsin and then things that I learned to do in California like I couldn't do all of those in Ghana and I obviously can't do them in Ethiopia so kind of learning just like at what capacity do I do things outside of my job setting yeah, that's hugely valuable. I was yeah. going to say that to be able to make that adjustment and to know like, you know, you're a fresh grad <laughs> and to go yeah. from like, okay, this is what normal is to me. This is what my my cultural background is as a person from Wisconsin, a grad mm-hmm. from California, but to be able to move to a totally different space where the availability is not necessarily all there. That's a bit of an intense <laughs> shift. Did you grow up with a uh, big family, brothers and sisters and stuff like that? And then a lot of friends in school. So this, yes. this is really so, yeah. that much more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've always been around just a ton of people and constantly doing a ton of stuff. And right. like I was very, very active in clubs and sports and, you know, church, all of these different groups. And right. I was the same in California. And then Ghana came and I was like, Ali, what do I do? Right. <laughs> I have so much free time. How do I spend it? But in Ethiopia, there's such a big expat community that I'm a part of as I live on campus. So like I don't have to do as many of the alone time things, but it's still like I've found a decent balance of you know like spending time with those other people and doing the own, my own hobbies in my house. Yeah. So West Africa, Ghana specifically, and then making that shift to Ethiopia, there's different things culturally and otherwise uh, to prepare for, like the the weather <laughs> in Ghana is very different from the weather in Ethiopia, Addis Ababa specifically, because Ethiopia can be mm-hmm. very diverse with its climate. But what is it that you had to do? So you went from have to prepare for serving in Ghana, like, okay, I, I have some West Africa experience. Now you've gained more West African experience and you're moving to East Africa. So what were some of those adjustments that you made? What is it that you had to shift? I think a lot of it was more physical stuff. So I had to break out my Wisconsin winter clothes to take them. Like (laughs) Addis rains a lot. So it gets very cold there. I took blankets and stuff like that. The clothes too, like culturally, I'm allowed to teach in jeans versus... Ghana was still kind of like skirts and stuff. So like I'm allowed to wear jeans and leggings even to work to teach in. So that's kind of a shift actually that it's it's a very Western bubble that I live in in Addis. I think I had to shift more of what I was doing too. So going from homeschooling to having a classroom was kind of a big shift too versus when I was homeschooling, I could really cater things to their interests and to like the curriculum they had versus I had like a wide open scope to include whatever I wanted in my classroom. And then I had 15 students that I had (laughs) to try and cater to, which is, I mean, they're just completely different settings. And totally different age groups, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and the 
placement is in partnership with Bingham Academy. So tell us a little bit about Bingham Academy and then what your role is, at least as it started, and we'll kind of talk through. <laughs> yes. Bingham Academy is in Addis. It's kind of in the northern part, so it's in the very Muslim part of the city, actually. It's about 20 minutes away from all of the LCMS, like other LBT people. So I don't get to see them too often. And our lives are completely different because we're in very different parts of the city. But it's a pre-K through 12 school. It follows Cambridge curriculum, which focuses a lot more on applying information versus America is a lot more like fact retention based. So it's a very rigorous, fast paced curriculum. I taught KG2, which is equivalent to kindergarten at Bingham. So I went from teaching middle school, homeschool to kindergarten. And it's just, it's a really fast paced, intense curriculum where at the end of my kindergarten, like school year, the last month or two, they were you know, learning multiplication, division. We were doing compound sentences. They were writing. They were reading chapter books. So it was really fun at the end, but it was really difficult at the beginning of how fast I should be pushing these kids. And like your reading standard is way too low. Like I'm going to send four books home with you and you better read every single one. So it was was really difficult to adjust to that too. Hmm. Yeah. But this next year, you're going to be doing something a little different. (laughs) Can you share a little bit about how your role is changing in Ethiopia? Yes. I will be teaching 8th grade and 10th grade next year. So I'll be teaching, we call it PSSHE, which stands for Physical, Spiritual, Social Health Education. It's essentially Bible. It takes the Christian studies for the most part. But then if the kids, we do a trip where they leave Addis and we take like a week preparation for that. So it's not just like intense Bible, but it's also, you know, like announcements and any other upcoming crazy events and stuff like that. But I'm excited to go into eighth grade and to 10th grade. I have really good relationships with both of those groups of students because I coached them for sports and stuff. So mm. they already respect me and they've been asking me to teach them Bible for a while, actually. <laughs> That's awesome. So That's they're they're just really hungry for the word and they don't know that I'm teaching them yet. Oh. So, so um, it's going to be interesting on the first day as they you know, we transition to this new role and like relationship too, that these students need to see me as the academic person and like the coach and athletic director and stuff too. So. So some folks listening may wonder, so why would Lutheran Bible translators be putting a teacher into this particular school? What's some of the ministry connection? How does this support the ministry of Lutheran Bible translators? That's a, that's a great question. So with the Federwitzes, because we're both in the same organization, I count as their teacher at Bingham. So they get significantly reduced pricing for education for their kids, which is a very, very important part of mm-hmm. ministry. Like the number one reason that people leave the field is because they don't have adequate education for their children. So I get to provide quality education in the capital of Ethiopia, but Bingham as a whole We have staff from everywhere with a ton of different mission projects in Ethiopia. Between our entire staff, we support at least 50 mission projects in Ethiopia. I get to help support those. I was going to say that I really appreciate you highlighting that fact that a lot of times when people think about missionary service, it's very often tied to, I am doing this particular facet of translation or scripture engagement But there are needs of support roles for missionaries to be able to accomplish ministry. Being missionary kid teaching is so huge. Like even backing up to your Ghana experience Mm -hmm. that Paul and Allie were able to invest in preparing the way for that move from Ghana to Ethiopia after many years 
serving in country that it's a huge support not only to know that okay my kids education is being cared for but they're seeing the same person day after day when I don't necessarily have the energy the time to be able to invest in their studies so just how the institution of Bingham Academy is having Mm -hmm. a whole network of people that are providing spiritual emotional physical like an outpouring of let me care for the needs of these missionary kids so that the missionary work can continue in Ethiopia so you have had this opportunity and you've, you've spent a whole academic year there how is it that you have seen yourself grow and maybe what is it that has brought you just joy or excitement in your role hmm I've seen myself grow as a classroom teacher, for sure. I came fresh out of university and I went right to Ghana and then I had that little summer break and then I went right to Bingham. So I've never had a formal student teaching or like any real hours teaching in the classroom or anything. So kind of learning how to do that, but also to use my local TA to like the best of her advantage and to navigate all the cultural parts of like we represented at least seven countries in my 15 students in kindergarten so trying to navigate you know like the cultural aspect of being a first year teacher this really difficult curriculum and the new country like a local TA that I was interacting with so I grew in how to plan lessons for like those specific things but also I've always been a very flexible person but I was able to really use that and I I guess I've noticed how much of an asset that is on the mission field and especially in teaching too of my kids are really struggling around Christmas was a really bad time of homesickness and I sent out a few messages to parents and they're like yeah of course this is our first Christmas away I was like oh well that would have been really good to know in you know early December but now here we are so just being really able to add like TCK processing things into my own classroom. So we read a lot of books of where, you know, you're from this country, but where is this? And you feel like you identify with this and this and this, and you're struggling with your family, but also with the culture and like people, you know, touching your hair on the sidewalks as you're walking. So it was really great to be able to notice that my students were going through those things and then put it in part of my curriculum as well. So like the books we were reading, the things we were writing was based on how to help them process their like lives essentially mm-hmm. and at such a young age which is something I'm really hoping to take over to my eighth and tenth grade classes for bible as well of where does your identity lie like that's something right. TCKs struggle with so much of you know I've got a passport country but I live somewhere else mm-hmm. and so adding those processing activities into the older grades too I think is something that's neglected especially uh, at our school currently so I'm excited to kind of try my best to see if we can navigate those parts as well. That is awesome. Yeah. Some of our most popular episodes on this podcast have been the stories of third culture kids and and that very dynamic you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So what a joy to be able to invest in their lives. So in some ways we've already addressed this question, but wanting to give you a chance to like name it. So of the specific challenges of teaching third culture kids, what is it that your unique experiences that have been challenging, but also the unique experiences that have been a great joy for you? So one thing that I guess stands out. I've been a lifelong athlete, so I've done a lot of sports and such. And so I got to use that to coach students and I made great relationships with them. And I was able to really 
like dive into their sports skills as well which then led me to gain those relationships to then pour into their lives beyond just like our volleyball court or something Mm -hmm. but something that I've always been raised with is you don't argue with the ref and so you know it doesn't matter the sport you're not going to go attack them or anything but Ethiopia has a very like argumentative culture and so they'll like they don't have any fear in going up to someone and I guess it's kind of how you defend something at least that's what I was told is that these kids want to really defend Like, this is the play that I made. Like, this is the wrong call that the ref made. I'm going to defend it because I'm right and I believe in myself or in our team or something like that. And so kind of getting these kids to understand respect from a different perspective, which is really difficult because you're in such an international setting where we represent over 30 countries. So trying to say, well, like, actually, your perspective is not okay right now Mm -hmm. and you need to follow mine, but I've only been here for a couple months and... Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm the adult here, but you're doing what's right in your eyes. But like, actually, that's not what we do at Bingham and mm. trying to follow some of those things. That's um, tricky. Yeah. yeah. And it comes up a lot. Actually, that was just one example. It does come up a lot of, you know, you think you're doing you are doing what is correct in your host culture. But actually here at Bingham, mm. we, <laughs> we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, like thinking about. This is probably also an example of like you think about culturally, internationally, maybe the drinking age is lower. Right. Like, okay, it's permissible at 16, but you come to the campus of St. Paul Lutheran High School, you are legally, you know, as, as well as the campus having rules that no, that that is not acceptable. This is a dry campus mm-hmm. and we have to follow the rules of the, the nation, which is 21 and over. So... It, having those distinctions and being able to explain those things, even though it's, but it's here. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But a particular joy is it's not all a challenge for third culture kids, but also being able to find those nuggets of, of joy and things that maybe you didn't notice before. Yeah. Every culture is so different. And so I feel like in my first two months, I learned more about the UK than I did about Ethiopia (laughs) because we have so many staff from England and such that like we were just bouncing off nursery rhymes and we're like, oh, that actually sounds different in the US or somebody brought up dancing or line dancing or something. And I was like, oh, we don't. But, you know, it depends on the state or something. So finding or I guess like learning that information is really cool and valuable that I get to learn from all these different cultures. And we have a really big Finnish population. And so the church that I go to with a couple other Bingham staff, we have a decent amount of potlucks and such. So getting to try like their food and, you know, here's my biscuits and gravy versus, you know, here's, I don't even like ham sandwiches for breakfast kind of thing. Mm. So right. yeah. Uh, yeah, like, uh, but getting to bounce the different cultural aspects off of each other is really fun and Mm -hmm. it just grows everyone's mindset too. So what would you share with somebody who might be thinking about maybe if you've opened a new category for them supporting a third culture kid that's something I never thought I could do before but what would you say to someone who's looking to support a third culture kid from your experience here the last year and a half? I would say to support them is to really just let them talk about whatever struggle and joy that they're going through. So I was very big on letting my kindergartners talk about, you know, this is your passport country. These are the experiences you had there. These are the traditions you had there versus this is where you are now. This is what you're doing now. Like this is how your traditions had to change. And there's plenty of resources out there to really dive deep 
into like how to support TCKs through that process and stuff. But I guess from the teaching in a classroom setting, it was easiest to just let them talk about it. And they got to a point where they're like, even on the playground, they're like, oh, like this type of tree doesn't exist where I'm from. And I was like, wow, the fact that you know that at five is really incredible, but also like, you're right, you know, it doesn't. Like, does that make you happy? Does it make you sad? Like, you know, Mm. what else can you tell me about where you're from and how you're feeling and stuff? That's really great, yeah. Just being able to ask questions and Mm -hmm. to listen, yeah. The presence is huge for third culture kids because Mm -hmm. things are always changing. People are always coming and going and to be able to just say, I'm going to be sitting here with you and I care about what you think and say. It's awesome. So you've been on a journey. You've gone from college grad to going to Ghana to Ethiopia and going back to Ethiopia here very shortly. And there's probably quite a few people who, you know, as they are listening to this podcast, either they themselves or they might know someone who is wrestling with, should I consider teaching internationally at a place like Bingham Academy? What would you say to that person who is kind of on the fence considering, is this something that God's calling me to do? What would you say to them? Yeah, (laughs) tough one. I mean, I guess definitely pray about it and try to figure out where the call is coming from. So I had to really decipher if it was, do I want to do this just because I really love traveling and intermixing with these cultures or am I really doing it for the Christian Mm -hmm. aspect? And sometimes I still catch myself of, oh, I really want to go here and do this, but the ministry is in a different place and the purpose of everything that we're doing Mm -hmm. and that like why I went into this is the main portion of it. It's not going to be easy by any means. It never is easy, but I guess no career path is easy. So I guess, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I'm a great person to ask. I kind of just went down the road and was like, if it happens, it does, you know. The Lord is leading. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a huge value in just saying, well, here am I, send me to quote the often quoted thing. But seriously, that's a huge part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Is just being open and seeing where it may go to, yeah. Yeah. Well, how can our listeners be praying for you and your ministry? I guess just pray for Bingham as a whole. You know, I'm switching into secondary now. So kindergarten to eighth and 10th is a big flop that the students can really benefit from the unique experience that they're getting in our, you know, intercultural bubble and such that that the students know who it's all for. Well, thanks for spending some time with us here, uh, taking a little bit of your Concordia Mission Institute summer conference time, and it was really great talking with you. We've been talking with Dee Gokenauer, missionary teacher in Ethiopia. Thanks, Dee. Thank you. So during the interview, I just really appreciated not only Dee's posture of relaxed and this is... God calling us into mission, and I just let him lead the way, but also her heart for missionary kids and different cultures coming together and having compassion for these kids in different contexts and how it all weaves together. It just, it was a really great interview to be able to hear from her and her heart and how she's been transformed in this just short period of time that she's been with Lutheran Bible Translator. Yeah, it just reminded me too of the importance of in this season when there are still locations that we send 
expatriate missionaries to work in, there are reasons that they're there, and that's the difficulties about the work in the context. And it just reminded me the importance of all the different ways to support the missionary families that are there. Uh, as Dee mentioned, educational support for the families is huge. In fact, the biggest reason that missionary families will leave the field context. Yeah, there's just a cool reset for me to think about that this is this is really an important aspect of who we are and, and our ministry. As we work together with the church around the world to put God's Word in their hands, all these details and all these intricate uh, pieces are woven together by the Lord to make that happen. And to see one of the many programs that are in Ethiopia that Dee is helping support, we invite you to take a look on our website at lbt.org slash programs. And if you know someone who really has a calling on their heart to serve in an international setting, we want to encourage you to email recruiter at lbt.org and see if we would be a mutual fit. Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. You can find past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast or subscribe on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. The Essentially Translatable podcast is edited and produced by Audrey Sider. Executive producer is Emily Wilson. Artwork designed by Caleb Rodewald and Sarah Rodowski. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Rich Rodowski. So long for now.